Good morning and welcome to Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. Always a pleasure to have your company here today. And I'm welcoming back to the microphone, Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money. And I guess continuing on a theme, given that we've been in lockdowns, we've been going through a whole range of emotions as people and as communities and societies. And uh, to that end, Philippa and I have been talking a lot about uh, mental health and uh, I guess that well-being uh, around trying to survive these traumas that we've all had to go through over the past two and a half to three years. And Philippa sent me through this excellent article that's posted on Beyond Blue's website. And Beyond Blue is one of these wonderful organisations. Um, it's actually headed up by Julia Gillard these days, isn't it, uh, Philippa? Yes, it is, right? And welcome. It used, it used to be Jeff Kennett. Yep, yeah, it used to be Jeff Kennett at one time, wasn't it? First started years ago and Julie Gillard right. took it over. Yep, and so welcome, Philippa. Sorry, Thank I did. Uh, I was going to get to that point as well. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome to the show. But look, I, I think this is a really excellent topic uh, because it's keeping in theme, I guess, with what we've been talking about. And ladies and gentlemen, we've really been going through to I think discussing a lot of lost souls out there that people haven't really given any consideration to as at, at all. I mean, people worried about farmers suiciding. Well, we have a, a section of our community, financial advisors, that have not had a very good time of it over the past two or three years. And Philippa, you did uh, a very pointed um, survey and report for our association around the mental health. Do you want to just quickly cover that before we get stuck into this Beyond Blue article? Yeah, well, you remember I came from that field before I came into financial planning years ago and mm -hmm. mental health and organisational psychology, well, mental well-being in the workplace and organisational restructures and the effect that it has on staff when people know they're going to be made redundant or not sure if they're going to be made redundant um, because when people are faced with um, changes to their business or their income or their life from forces outside themselves, they end up with a sense of um, powerlessness mm -hmm. and loss of agency. If that's not stressful enough, they don't know what's going to happen next. So given that we've had the most appalling download of endless legislation in our industry, which doesn't help anything to do with the provision advice of quality advice, but rather the provision of being able to get the advice done affordably has gone. And so it impacted clients' business um, with their advisor, with the charges that they're now facing, with the amount of compliance. And advisors have had to charge more to cover their time to do more and more paperwork. So the mental health in the industry was pretty dreadful given the number of suicides that we ended up with over the time. 10,000 advisors have left because they just can't do it anymore. And um, so the beginning of the year, Steve Prenderville and I, he is on the receiving end of desperate phone calls, get me out of here, please sell my business. So we teamed up and I did the survey, launched in May just before the federal election, and the report was sent to everywhere. We had nearly 800 advisors pile in and do this survey because they knew it was anonymous mm. and it was going to government politicians and the media, and they just got it off their chest. And the mental health side of things, we had on 30 open-ended question, please comment. We had 17,721 verbatim comments. Wow. It's extraordinary. And wow. 
Of those 17,721 police comments, 8,500 and a bit were just on their mental health. And in SPSS, which is the statistical package of the social sciences, when you download your survey results into it, verbatim comments come out as a line in a spreadsheet. And when you keep typing, that one line stretches out to over half a page, in many instances a full page. So I ended up with 20 pages of heartbreak in these mental health section. So the greatest difficulty they had was not just the increased hours but diminished income. And so when I saw this link between financial wellbeing and mental health, financial advisors are smack in the middle of it where they're trying to cope with their own and help their clients with their own mental health and well-being with their finances. So let's pick up on that theme then, because this particular article that you've sent through to me is absolutely wonderful. And I think it broadens the discussion uh, not to include not just financial advisors, but the general populace. And yes. ladies and gentlemen, one of the things we're going to be doing um, in the next few uh, weeks and radio shows is talking to people that specialise in marriage and relationship breakups and the impact of financial well-being and mental health within those relationship structures. So this is a really good segue, I guess. And so when I look at this particular article, the first thing that really grabbed my eyes is that this article is uh, from Beyond Blue, but it's two sides of the same coin. Laura Higgins, the senior executive leader uh, in financial capability at ASIC, and she's the head of Money Smart. Now, I've got to tell you, this is one of my favourite websites and one of my favourite resources for people to get educated around finances. It's government run, so there's nobody selling product. It's really one of those elements, I think, that it's a really great go-to page. And so reading the first couple of paragraphs where uh, Laura Higgins, uh, this executive leader from uh, Money Smart, she's quoted all through this. I, I guess I had a big smile on my face, Philippa, because it really is a, a voice of reason and a lot of knowledge, isn't it? Yes, I think the fact that with the flight of the advisor's exodus is leaving um, their advised clients in the lurch with people this time last year who were comfortably off making their mortgage repayments and you know a couple of mortgage repayments ahead and having savings in the account with the five interest rate hikes that we've had banging on each other one after the other and more to come. Ordinary people are out there are really struggling now um, with the rising cost of inflation, you've heard all this on the news and interest rate hikes on their mortgages. Suddenly people who were never in financial strife are really struggling. How the hell are we going to pay the mortgage, um, particularly those that are coming off fixed interest? They're going to be hit with a cliff and cost of living going up. I mean, sure, lettuce prices have come down, but the overall, in, the overall inflation has gone up. Because COVID happened, the supply lines were hammered. And so there was always going to be a lag between growing the supplies and getting them to market on top of floods and what have you in the farming areas. So it's all a perfect storm at the moment. And so the whole thing around mental health for ordinary people out there is pretty much what advisors have been going through for the last two or three years. So I found this article um, and coming from my background, not only advising clients, but now working with advisors around their own mental health, helping them service their clients and look after them. 
um, this article was particularly useful because she talks about the effect of financial distress on all um, population, not just a specific um, few. Mm-hmm. And the Money Smart website, I remember when it was first launched in 2008, and I was actually there at the time, invited to attend with Paul Clitheroe, was the bloke that opened it. And he's a pretty tall bloke and he was leaned up on the lectern and he said, you know what, it's all very well having a website um, about telling you all this information. He said, but the real impact of, of this is what do you do with what you've got? It's about financial capability, not just knowledge. And this website has grown over the years and think you need a sat nav to get around it these days. There's well, so much it, information. It's a really good site, very comprehensive. And that's the reason I, I keep on expounding its yes. virtues because it is one of those things that really has grown over time. Mm. Uh, and I think I, I love pointing people to it because it is from the government. So it's not a company. It's not a private concern. I think people can, can venture through the website comfortably knowing that they're not trying to be sold. Uh, and I think um, a lot of people are yeah. concerned about that from the outset, aren't they? Yeah, well... The fact that she's talking about financial health and mental well-being connected, um, ASIC know that. So this section here that I found was not, was actually acknowledging the fact that when people are scared and they don't have enough money coming in, there's a whole um, flight or fight response in terms mm-hmm. of fear because it comes down to something very basic to humans is called survival. Yeah, yeah we've spoken about you know, this before. Yes, when you look at JobKeeper and JobSeeker two years ago, um, the governments, because of COVID, then governments kept that on sensibly. But the thing is when people go into survival mode, um, rationality checks out because their anxiety levels are so high that those who suffer from a flight response just don't open their bills, leave them mounting up, are too scared to go to it, and end up being terrified of seeing how many bills they've actually got. Other people have um, a different response and they'll rip open the envelope and sit down and grab the calculator and and try and figure out a way through it. So this article covers off both sides where people, um, she encourages people to um, look at the fact that, yes, survival is scary. It keeps you awake at night. And when you're sleepless, you're not even functioning anyway. So, look, that's a great time right now for us to take a bit of a break because we're going to get into the meaty bits of the article uh, just after we take a short station announcement. You're here on Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. Always a pleasure to have Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money here at the microphone with me. And we are talking about Beyond Blue and the link between financial well-being and mental health. We'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. Always a pleasure to have your company. And welcoming back to the microphone, we have our regular contributor, Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money. And today we are looking at a really insightful article that was published recently by Beyond Blue, uh, where uh, Laura Higgins, the senior executive leader at moneysmart.gov.au, a website that I've often spoken about because it is from the government, and she's talking talking about the link between financial well-being and mental health. And given, Philippa, you and I have been talking about this and you've done a tremendous amount of work with the association earlier this year around the mental health of financial planners. This particular article, I think, 
casts its net rather wider. And the thing I like, I guess, is that there's a really good action plan at the end of this particular article, which we're going to cover off during the course of today's discussion. But I guess Laura's first piece of advice is there's no time like the present. Mm. So I guess, do you find that in the time that you've been financial planning and I guess even beyond now that you've sold your business and are moving into education more so these days, that that's the real that's the real hot button that people really need to step up and start doing something right away? Yes, in the short answer, because... We don't know where the interest rates are going. We don't know where. It's all a basket of unknowns. Everybody bought their properties last year thinking there wouldn't be interest rate hikes until 2023, and suddenly we're being smashed with these things, and everybody is now in fight-or-flight mode. So as Laura Higgins says, and I agree, we might understand financial stress to be when people can't meet their day-to-day financial commitments. Mm-hmm. So financial distress, and I call it distress because it's different for everyone and it's not just about a lack of money. It comes down to survival, how people are going to afford to feed themselves, feed their kids, pay their bills when everything's going up. So people with stress relating to money, it's not. it might be just about one unpaid bill um, or the lack of confidence in handling their finances which is whole education thing I'm trying to get at. But the other thing is that, as she says, um, some people are too scared to ask for help. Yeah. Now, there is a shame around admitting, one, that you've got mental health issues, you're not well anyway, and two, um, there's a whole taboo around money as well. So people don't like owning up to the fact that suddenly they're in financial strife. It's a double whammy, isn't it? It's a very much a double whammy, and... So when they're finding that they can't even afford to pay bills or what have you, then there has to be some kind of action plan and support for people who are really struggling to, God, what do I do now? Where do I go? What help can I get? So this is the point of the whole article. She says reaching out for help sooner rather than later is always a good idea. Yeah. But where do you reach out for help too? It's not just um, going on to hardship plans for energy providers and telcos and what have you it's about your own mental health and reaching out hence the beyond blue putting this article out yeah and and i'm really glad that an organization like beyond blue has stepped into this space because i know they cover it off all the time but i used to volunteer for lifeline uh, a number of years back and i was on their uh, their social committee and we used to do fundraisers etc the thing that i always liked about lifeline uh, is that it's anonymous and, and I think you, yes. you rightly point on that that uh, that fact, Philippa, that there is a huge amount of shame associated with financial distress and failure. I think we uh, live in a world of consumption and capitalism being what it is. We are measured almost on a daily, if not hourly basis of whether we win or lose. And I, I look, we've had these rants before, uh, given the fact that we're, we're in football finals season at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I my Twitter feed was abound with people vociferously complaining about the level of gambling around the uh, oh, the shocking the <laughs> the streaming oh. services 
resources for um, the the Brownlow medal count. And uh, I I guess this normalisation of gambling. And so when you see these ads, and I saw a particular one where they were talking about the Spring Carnival, and personally I've never had any interest whatsoever in nags, but this whole joie de vivre uh, of, you know, the whole gamut of people's, uh, I, I guess, relevance came back to whether they were winning or losing. And so when you have these not so subtle messages out there, it becomes incredibly difficult for people to step out of that and say, you know what, I'm having trouble. I'm having issues. I can't buy my groceries. I can't pay my bills. And all of a sudden, this failure. And so I would always recommend to people the first port of call, particularly if family is not a good place to go or or your, your loved one because of that shame. Lifeline is this wonderful resource. You can pick up the phone. They don't ask for your name. And by the way, they also help people in financial stress and gambling uh, issues as well. So I think Laura makes this great point. Reaching out for help sooner rather than later is always a good idea. I mean, uh, you've talked to people in this regard, Philippa, when you've been advising. Do you point them these directions as well? Yes. The thing is that part of the whole education thing I'm trying to get set up, um, when people find themselves in financial distress because of rising interest rates and inflation, that's something they have no control over, even if and, and they could be absolute teetotalers, non-drinkers, non-gamblers, and suddenly still find their household income um, is not meeting the increased cost of their normal commitments. So Good this point. is what I'm saying. It's Good not point. just the buy now, pay later distress where people are having to to um, spend their unearned income. The banks have got on board with this. We've done this before, and you heard yeah, me yeah, about I was it before. Say, but you and I have had a big rant on that as yeah, well. Yeah, but the buy now, pay later, <laughs> the gambling on television. Now, the gambling on television really only took off the online gambling during COVID, because people were bored and they needed dopamine hit. Now, the whole thing around gambling, I think they would have banned these ads, just like alcohol and smoking off television, free to wear for good. They're absolutely shocking, and the problem is that they, you're a loser if you don't join the fun. You're a loser if you don't join our gang. You know, you're an outsider and a loner and you're a loser if you don't. And then they come out with all of this and don't forget to gamble responsibly. <laughs> and then you see these ads where you can put a stop on your account so you don't overspend. Then you see these guys sitting up in pubs with their phones on their own with no one around them, but they're part of a gambling yeah, den g- gamble that they might as well be in a poker game in Las Vegas. I, I, I must it's say, I was, I was talking to my wife about that just the other day, and I swim regularly with a really good bunch of guys that I, I enjoy spending time with. But I must say, if they approached me and said, hey, Ray, why don't you join this ABC or Acme you know, gambling with mates type of thing, I think <laughs> I would disown them, quite honestly, because that to me is a great way to destroy a friendship, not to make one, quite frankly. Well, I couldn't yeah. think of anything worse than losing my money together with people. I just, oh, it's such but a, the whole a point gross is, concept. But, Ray, the whole point is testosterone and dopamine. Mm. It's the dopamine win. My 40 t- team won. Uh, so what? The, but, but the whole point I, is it's the dopamine hit, and this is what she's saying. Yeah. When you get to the point where you're not surviving and you can't meet your bills, people reach for debt. And so they I, start I, racking up their credit cards or buy now, pay later, and they get themselves more and more in debt. 
But so I'm always surprised, says, Philippa, that, that, you know, it's 2022. Haven't we got past this this toxicity and testosterone discussions that that fuel this this negative behaviour? I would have thought we got past this. It seems to be going back full circle. Yeah, and the thing is, is because it's online, it's so much easier. And, and private. And, yeah, and the thing is, that she says, if you're in trouble, call the National Debt Helpline and or financial counselling to see what what strategies you can set up for yourself and then then she says the next part is just take a step-by-step approach yeah i like that. to handle it so i like that the thing is when people as i said to you in the very beginning when you end up in distress through no fault of your own advisors with their legislation and their businesses being pounded um and then you've got rising costs to provide the advice and any business owner will now tell you so i have to put my prices up 20 percent because of fuel costs Mm-hmm. And so everywhere you go, your prices are going up and people's money isn't going up. And I link that back to the huge surge in profits by companies. They're not sharing that back with the workers that oh, created gosh. the profits in the first place. Now, the thing is that it's disempowering. That's the whole problem with feeling in control of your finances is more empowering by taking control. And as she says, and I do this with my own clients and the when I teach, um, is to get all your bills, lay them out on the table, grab your calculator and look at the ones that you can sort out first. Um, so breaking things down into little steps. So you put your last bills due date last um, and then you look at the ones that you know you can get some help with out of hardship provisions like your energy bills, um, telco providers and um, plans cut back your internet usage, work out ways that you can cut back on your um, the amount of, of data that you're using because you don't need to spend your life on Facebook and online gambling and you don't need to have your kids on screen time the whole time. So there are all sorts of things that you can do about your own lifestyle that you can trim um, that would use less of these services. And the problem is that a lot of us have never had to budget before. So there's also the fact that people who are in relationships sometimes find it hard to talk about finances with each other. Um, so coming together and saying, look, we've got to sit down and work this out. What's on your credit card? What's on my credit card? Here are the household bills. Um, cost of fuel's about to go up again. Um, can we use public transport instead of the car more often? So... As she says, you take a step-by-step approach. Yeah, I, I must say one of the – I always, when I get these um, articles, I print them out because I like to read in hard uh, hard mm. copy format. And I wrote here next to it, eat an elephant. And uh, I might just remind <laughs> listeners, I like that, that anecdote, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it a bite at a time, mm. and and so you know the the task of eating a massive element you know, elephant obviously would be massive if you were trying to sit down and eat it in one meal. But if you eat it uh, a bite size at a chunk, and approaching financial difficulty is no different. And mm. given the fact that one of the things I do in my professional life is run an investment fund, I always talk to people about the cost of money. Now people look at me and go, "What are you talking about? Money doesn't cost." I said, "Yes, it does." Because every time you borrow money, you are paying for the privilege of using somebody else's money. Interest. And interest, exactly. 
But it's also the flip side is you make money as well, is if you lend people your money. And that's what our fund does. But that aside, when I ask, you know, people, do they understand the cost of their money? I get that quizzical look. So I say, look, look at the interest rates. And I try and get them to sort out what's your most expensive money and what's your cheapest money. Now, Interestingly, at this point in time, student debt is being discussed at this point in time in uh, in the newspapers and the like. Now, when people look at cancelling student debt, I'd look at them and say, you know what, get rid of your credit cards first. And they look at me, but the student debt, though, I said, look, the student debt is running at the moment. It was at roughly 1%. It's gone up to about 3 Do you know what you pay on your credit cards? And a lot of people sit there and shrug their shoulders. Uh, I hate to disappoint them, but they're paying anywhere between 20 to 24 percent on their credit card dues. And so I always use this cost of money discussion as well to say, sort out what is your most expensive money and pay that off first, because that's what's hurting you the most. And so this step by step approach that uh, that is being discussed in this article is a great way to go. And I think her next point, Philippa, is a good segue. You need to talk about money. And and gosh, how long have we been talking about money now on dollars and making sense? It's what we do, I guess, isn't it? Well, we do it for a living, Ray. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do. And the thing is that um, what we have to be mindful of is that, and this, I suppose, comes back from the days I was in psychology. And, I, of course, once it's in your system, you keep using it, don't you? Mm-hmm. And we're... People choose to have a financial advisor. They do talk about their money. That's the whole point. <clears throat> but for people who don't, um, as I said, there's a whole taboo around struggling with money and talking about your struggles just as, as much as around you've got mental health issues, what are you going to do? And with a lot of men, they don't talk about their mental health issues and they end up committing suicide. Yeah. And there was a whole show on television last night about Mario Fennec and the effect of football injury on brains and early onset dementia as the damage now that these men are showing up in their 50s and 60s. Um, and so the whole mental health thing is still very difficult to talk about for a lot of people and go and get help for. So Beyond Blue, Lifeline, because the whole world went into mental health issues over the last two years, at least people are now starting to talk about it. And the times that I've run um, mental health sessions for advisors at different conferences Men come up to me afterwards and say, you got no idea how much that helped me, Philippa, yeah, I bet. which is really nice. And one guy I saw last, at the last conference I spoke at was had tears in his eyes because clearly when I was talking about suicide, when I said to everyone in the room, lawyers, financial advisors, accountants, you all know of someone or know of someone who does who has committed suicide. And, they, and I said, there's not one person in this room that hasn't been touched by it at some point, particularly in the last couple of years. The thing is, it a lot of this is around financial distress and the shame of normal middle-class families having to line up for Centrelink during the COVID for the pandemic and um, Centrelink help. And now a lot of them, when they manage to get themselves back on their feet, in the last six months, have found themselves at food bank places. Yeah, that, more um, than ever. It, more than ever. And these are ordinary families that never thought in a million years that they would find themselves in this situation. So the whole thing about talking about money for a lot of people, is to get it off their chest. It's a good because starting when, point. It is, because point. anxiety, when it rises and rises, takes over. It fires up the amygdala, the fear centre in the brain. Adrenaline starts running, 
and people are panicked. They don't know where to go or what to do. And once anxiety takes over, um, they can't think straight. So, so let's, at, hold that, let's hold that thought for a moment. We're mm. going to talk about judgment when we come back. It's time for a short break. You're here on Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. I'm here at the microphone with Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money. We are talking about a really excellent article, Beyond Blue and the link between financial well-being and mental health. We'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Dollars and Making Sense. I'm Ray Treveson from OTG Capital. Always a pleasure to have your company. And at the microphone today, I have Philippa Hunt from Wise Girls Money. We are talking about the link between financial well-being and mental health. This excellent article posted by Beyond Blue, which we will put on our blog so that you can click and have a read for yourself. Now, the next part we're going to move on to, and one that I think really needs to be stressed beyond beyond anything is no judgment here. I think we've got to get beyond this naming and shaming kind of malarkey and be comfortable that it's okay to talk about money. And given the stresses and the circumstances we've all been through as individuals, as families, and as a society over the past two and a half years, we need to be kind to ourselves and not accept any judgment. Just really just block it out. And I I guess this article really goes into this. Higgins suggesting this really uh, family hands-on approach, I think is a great way to go. What are your thoughts on that, Philippa? Well, yes, the bills won't get paid if you don't open the bank statement. (laughs) I mean, really? And the thing is that when the bills come in, people know in the back of their head what their regular bills are. They know they're going to get rates. They know they're going to, if they're all the mortgage or the rent, they know they're going to get the um, telco bills or the electricity bills. These are the routine parts of life. The problem is mm-hmm. they keep going up. Yeah. So the head in the sand approach or the flight response, as I call it, um, they as long as they don't deal with it, it's not going to bother them. The problem is that these mount up behind you. The hardest part from the anxiety perspective, I would, as she suggests, round up a friend or your partner or someone or a debt counsellor and take them on and say, I don't know where to start, what do I do? There's the shame right there. I don't know where to start, I don't know what to do. I mean, this, people find this very difficult, um, and it's only when they're pushed into absolute dire straits do they finally work out that if they don't get the help, it's all going to come apart. So um, I know the segue into another section we're doing in the future is around financial distress in partnerships and landing up in the divorce courts mm-hmm. um, is because that's the leading cause of partnerships coming unstuck because of financial distress. So getting into this sort of thing early um, and taking responsibility is very empowering. So even if you get a little plan together of what you can afford to pay off when and what and chip away at it, um, in that way, you're not bashing up yourself saying, look, cost of living's gone up, petrol prices have gone up, um, everything's gone up, what are we going to do, is getting a team approach with someone or some help from someone that you can routinely talk to so that it, you're not doing it on your own. I think that's a great that, that's a great thing. Now, 
the thing that I always love about these articles and the thing that I, I think blogs really make or break, the, the usability factor, I guess, is mm. a list. And I like the yes. list. And this article finishes off with this list and we're going to cover it off. So um, uh, this article covers off this wonderful list uh, where, first of all, it's, I guess, like anything, acknowledging the link between financial well-being and mental health and think about how this affects you personally. Mm. And I think it's no different to Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous. Mm. The first step in re recovery and recuperation is acknowledging that you have a problem. And so yes. I, I think that's the big one, isn't it? I think that's yes. probably the hardest of all, isn't it? Mm. But that's the thing is the fact that um – I mean, when people get sick, they don't think twice about going to the doctor. If they get a health diagnosis, they don't think twice about getting treatment for it. Oh, I, um, I think I think many um, wives would argue that uh, their husbands don't well, do that necessarily. Philip. I understand that, but that's <laughs> in the normal course of things, Ray. Um, yes, they might leave it too late, but they eventually get the medical help that they need for something uh -huh. that needs to be fixed. And the thing is that when you're talking about people's perceptions and their values around money, and what they should not ought to be able to do, um, you've got to look at the fact that there are behavioural issues here that when under stress, people have a fight or flight or freeze response. Mm -hmm. And so we know that. So it's a, it's a case also of recognising that it's scary. But it's not something in terms of it's not about you failing. The failure is when you don't address it. You can get the help with financial counselling, the National Debt Helpline, um, go down to your Centrelink um, financial investment services officer and talk to people and, and lay it out because those organisations' demand peaked during COVID because people were desperate um, to sort things out. So thank God people did ring yeah. um, and did well, call up. So that so is now a way of life. So that's the first thing, yeah. acknowledgement. And yep. I guess the next one is getting in control by setting time aside. I think that's yeah. great. I, I also just penned some notes there. Call. Call your debtors. Call your landlord. Call your mm. bank. Call your telco. You've made mention of this already during today's uh, discussion. But that's the thing, getting on the front foot. If you let them know, I mean, I have always found the banks and even the tax office as well, if you've got, uh, if you're a small business and you've got uh, PAYG or superannuation or, or BAS uh, commitments, if you pick up the phone and say, listen, I'm struggling, I, I need some time, yeah. the wonderful thing is they will listen and more often than not, they will be very, very open to uh, debt holidays or some interest-free time, but they're not going to simply slam the phone down and say, you know what, you're on your own. They don't do that. No, they, they don't. just do that. No, they don't. And the thing is that under the law, there are hardship provisions. And that came in through the global financial crisis. Mm -hmm. And I remember a time when um, people couldn't meet their, what do you call it, um, credit card repayments, and they would be hounded 10 times a day by the credit card um, call centres, pounding them about when they're going to pay it. Anyway, it got so bad that finally um, ASIC and the government stood up and put in hardship legislation um, to stop the harassment of um, people who had credit card debt and were struggling to make even minimum repayments. And so now we've got a situation where the whole world ended up in this place because of a pandemic and so by law, they have to assist. So 
the thing is to take advantage of the fact that they can assist and work out what you can afford to pay. And that's the empowering part is work out what you can afford to pay and stick to it and just keep chipping away at it. So as she says, make a plan, take a step-by-step approach, and as you acknowledge each each task ticked off, to-do lift. Now, here's the thing, Ray. There are a lot of temperaments out there. The whole idea of dealing with money and to-do lists and checklists um, is is even worse than not paying the bills. Yeah, I was about to mention that. It's not for everybody, is it? No, the whole whole thing of people making a systematic to-do list in in terms of temperament um, and impulse is not going to work. So I can un- this is very good advice about what to do. The hardest part is getting the people who take control of things are well aware of their commitments and will sit down and try and work it out and go and get the help. People who are scared or people who the whole idea of facts and figures bores them to tears or they just can't do it, um, they're the ones that will really end up struggling. So that's where you go and ring up someone to get the help to help you pull it together. And I guess, you know, moving on to the next tip, don't delay. The earlier you can get on track your finances, the better. And Mm. I I think that's self-explanatory. The next one I think is, is really key as well. If you need a helping hand, ask somebody close to you who will offer help without judgment. Now, I think that's a double-edged sword personally, and that's I, I only speak through personal experience here, but I, I would be a little wary because, man, I, I think uh, the one thing I've learned in my 62 years on the planet, family has a, an interesting knack of being far harsher and far unkinder to those closest to them than they would be to total strangers. And uh, mm-hmm. when I when yeah. I watched my yeah. mother in her declining months before she passed away earlier this year, she would say the most mean and horrible things and then look you directly in the eye and she goes, but you know I love you at the same time <laughs> whilst putting yeah. the dagger in, yeah. in between your ribs. And I, I, I would... And I guess from that reason, I guess I'm a little hesitant when I read that particular tip or, or, or advice. And I, I personally, I'd say to people, look, if, if you come from a family where that kind of thing can potentially skewer you, mm. I, I would say, listen, there's some great anonymous resources out there, publicly mm. funded, which don't cost, and you can access them and they won't judge you because they don't know you from a bar of soap. So mm. I, uh, I, I think... The family and friends thing is great if you have those kind of family and friends that won't prejudge and won't hang it over you for years to come. Mm. But I think if you've got even the smidgen of that there, I would say maybe a little bit of privacy wouldn't go astray. I, yeah. I don't know, Philippa, what are your thoughts? Do you agree well, with me or, or am I being a little bit harsh no, on I, my I, own? I think take into account your own circumstances. But here's the thing. Um the free financial counselling or the National Debt Helpline or, as you say, Beyond Blue or Lifeline, they are anonymous. They're not there to judge you and say, oh, how could you have done that? How could you have been so stupid? They say, right, if this is a situation, how can I help? Exactly. And so the same with financial advising. We don't have any of those dynamics when we do what we do. This is about getting down to the practical of, of ways of helping and the thing is that these these organisations are set up so that there is no judgment. 
And I'd, I'd like to add in there, if people listening to this show think to themselves, well, gee, I, I feel bad because this is probably one of the worst they've ever heard. Believe me, experienced counsellors on these helplines have heard it all yes. and more. They would probably be able to write many, many books mm. and, and be able to relate some of the most horrendous instances of financial abuse, financial distress, gambling way beyond people's means. I mean, uh, I, I would point people, for example, to an excellent documentary uh, from, uh, we normally don't mention brands, but the ABC is government, but they have a show called You Can't Ask That. And they were interviewing people that were having gambling issues mm. uh, and financial stress associated with that. Well, I, you could have blown me over with a feather. These stories were astounding. Well, this, I, is, I could this is not the power of addiction, but that's the power of addiction, Ray. Exactly. It's and, about, and, and, and this is the thing that I come back to in the earliest part of this show, was the fact this online gambling is setting up an addictive culture. And so the problem is that people are drawn in because of the socialness and sociability of all of this stuff without the long-term consequences. And they say, like to alcoholics, drink responsibly. Then they say to gamblers, gamble responsibly. Well, how? Because we're dealing yeah, with addiction. I, and the thing is, a lot of people, there are two sides of the same coin. Here we tra we're talking to people about who found themselves in this situation because of the rising cost of living. Their jobs aren't going, aren't increasing in the um, wages that they're still struggling with that they've been on for, you know, years. And suddenly the cost of living is beyond going beyond them through no fault of their own. That's their distress. How do you get help with that? Like financial counselling, going to your telcos, going to the people that charge the bills and sorting something out. But we're also dealing with the fact that we've got people who are in debt anyway who are still struggling with even higher costs of living and yet they have gam gambling their money responsibly, online gambling around horses and football matches. Uh, uh I so, shrug my shoulders because I, know. I, I hear the right wing shock jocks will sit there and say, hey, personal responsibility. You're all adults. You can mm. make your own minds up. And these mm. these wowsers that keep on telling you that you can't drink, you can't gamble, you can't smoke. They're the bad people. They're the nasty ones. Yet I sit there and scratch my head going, where is there an element of uh, I guess social responsibility? And, and I use this term just recently. Uh, when it came to what I refer to, I guess, as parasitic type of uh, internet companies. And I'll very openly talk about people like Airbnb and Uber, who I guess don't have a social contract. And I think gambling companies are exactly the same. They don't have a social contract with the communities that they rape and pillage. They're more than happy to take their money. They will do the absolute minimum required by the regulator. And one of the things that I've noticed, particularly in the last four to six weeks, is that they now are focusing on gambling responsibly. And they actually, they home in on the word gamble responsibly. And then they tell you all these wonderful things that they're doing to help you gamble responsibly. <laughs> God, but at well, the they end take of your the money. Day, while they're still fleecing you left, right, and centre. And yes. so I sit there and, and want to cry. Yeah, I, I want to scream because I get accused on Twitter of being a far left-wing nut job because I'm so woke and I virtue signal and every other poke, <laughs> poke in the dark that they will throw at somebody that is progressive or that sits there and says, listen, 
I am a capitalist. I will happily put my hand up and say I'm a capitalist. But this unrestrained, unfettered growth continually is feeding into the kind of distress that we're seeing, the kind of gambling problems that we're seeing, the kind of abuse that we're seeing, because nobody's saying to these companies, just haul it in a bit, will you? You don't need to be doing gambling ads in the middle of the damn Brownlow medal count when kids are watching for Pete's sake. Oh, no, that's the... Can we have a little bit of restraint? Can you just curb your capitalistic money-grubbing ways for just one damn moment? Please. I just sit there and go, how much more money do you need Hang on, beyond? What's the, what they're doing here is normalising that behaviour. Oh, it's driving me insane. I know. It, same with smoking, same with gambling, same with alcohol. The only way you're going to stop it is to ban it. What you have to go back to is find out where the revenue goes Follow from the, the gambling. Money. Follow, Follow the money, the Ray, money. and it's always back to the government. It is. It is. I mean, I I have to wonder, you know, Clubs New South Wales, for example, yes. took their, they took their Twitter account offline today. I wonder darn why, because Twitter seems to be the only sphere where people get called out. Yes. People get called out. There's no influence of Murdoch or the Costello Fairfax nine entertainment world there. Mm. And there's certainly no influence of the board of directors on the ABC. Uh, happening in social media. Yes, it's a free-for-all, but guess what? It's an open free-for-all where people can at least voice their views without being shouted down to some point. I mean, I get shouted down and so so I should, I guess. Everyone's got a right to their opinion. But I'm tired of being told that I'm a wowser or I'm not fun to be around because I'm simply saying let's have some restraint because when I read this Beyond Blue article, we are there because of unrestrained capitalism. We are there because nobody can sit there and say to these companies, hey, when is enough enough? Philippa, are we going to get to a point where we can see government actually intervening? Well, when enough people have committed suicide, maybe. When enough people have lost their homes, um, you've got interest rates rising, Um and you've got people who are compulsively addicted to gambling, it's a, it's just coming up to be a perfect storm. I think so too. I think so too. And so, look, we've covered off some excellent stuff today. Ladies and gentlemen, the link to the article from Beyond Blue will be on our website. Philippa, always a great discussion. Um, I think both of us got a little bit hot under the collar today, and rightly <laughs> darn so, i got to say, and rightly darn so, because I'd love to have any of these companies come on to the, to the show and simply justify sometimes, you know, when is enough enough? For Pete's mm. sake, I like watching the footy like everybody else, but I am sick and death to tired. I can rattle off at least eight or nine gambling companies that are advertising mainstream, which tells me they're making a bucket load of cash so philippa thanks so kindly for your time philippa from wise girls money always a pleasure now philippa we are probably going to lose touch for a little bit you are moving state aren't you um not for some time i'm just getting myself organized right just getting yourself organized well you're going to become a mexican soon leaving the sunshine coast and heading to the southern climes you'll be further south than me so again always a pleasure to have you at the microphone philip hunt thank you so kindly for your time today Thank you, Ray. Have a great one. Bye-bye.